Welcome to the Not The Model Minority Podcast, a podcast about the unique careers and perspectives of Asian Americans. On today's episode of Not The Model Minority Podcast, we will be talking to Mark Chung, a film director and animator who previously worked at Nickelodeon as a senior executive. He develops and directs live action and animated films and series. He recently animated Max Beyond, the animated action sci-fi movie produced entirely in Unreal Engine and is being released this spring. Hi everyone, this is Brian Yang, your host of the Not The Model Minority podcast. Today, I'll be talking to Mark Chung, a film director, animator, and producer who worked as a senior executive at Nickelodeon and now runs his own creative studio as well as works on many other film projects. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so eager to learn more about what you do. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's an honor to be here. All right. So, Mr. Chung, how did you first become interested in animation? Oh, boy. So, I mean, mine is one of those things where uh, when I was a kid, you know, middle school and high school, I was probably like a lot of kids just interested in filmmaking and animation just because I would watch a ton of it, you know, from from uh, Tom and Jerry to the Transformers cartoon, G.I. Joe, like any cartoon really, really liked and, and filmmaking in general, I liked. So it was something from a very young age, I always had an interest in as a consumer. Um, and then it was probably around bet- between middle school and high school that I started to play with my dad's video recorder and start actually making stories and telling little stories. Um, and. Uh, and so I did it like as a hobby, and I think it was in college that I decided to change my major from government to uh, theater and film, and actually start thinking about it as a as a career. So I was just one of those guys that kind of always knew what I liked and had a little bit of whether it was uh, the courage or the craziness to actually think that maybe I could have a career doing the stuff I like a lot. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. Wow, that's really interesting, honestly. That. You had like such, I guess, ambition to really pursue animation because many people are like, oh, they might not be like, like question, I guess, you know, that kind of like following your passion kind of thing. It's really great. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I would say that like at, at my age uh, at the time, animation was not a medium that was very accessible to young people starting out. So my interest was very much in live action because I could get my friends together and we could coordinate like, let's just do a Kung Fu fight or let's do like a James Bond spinoff where we're just chasing each other and beating each other up with like water guns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really wasn't until, I mean, you fast forward decades, it wasn't until um, maybe like six or seven years ago that my interest in, or, um, you know, the, the, that I liked animation turned into something that I could actually do because I downloaded software and software suddenly became freely available to somebody who had a computer to uh, to download and actually start to, lo- to learn. So I would, I would phrase it that way. There was really live action storytelling that I was interested in for a lot of my life and career. And then really during the pandemic, um, I started to get interested in, in animation and have since started, started to work in it, in that industry. Oh, wow. Okay, that's that's interesting. Oh, uh, so I guess I guess you kind of answered my question. Like, what were your interests before animation? Like, you said you're gonna do government. Like, what made you decide you thought like government was interesting to you? Yeah. So, like, I um I started uh, my freshman year in college uh, as a uh, aspiring government major, and mm-hmm. I realized really quickly that 
it wasn't so much government as a topic that I was interested in and enjoyed. It was because I had a very uh, influential um, teacher in high school that taught us social studies. Mm -hmm. And I liked, I think in hindsight, I don't think I realized it at the time, but in hindsight now, I, it was more that I think she pushed us to do our own research, to formulate our own uh, ideas and opinions, present them in class, uh, debate them. And it was really that structure of, um, of learning, of self-learning that I was really drawn to. And it was, I mean, it was very quickly. It was like within the first three months of college, I'm like, oh, I don't think government major is for me. Like there, we're talking about such topics now that um, in a slightly different classroom structure that this is just not appealing to me at all. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that uh, some of my peers that were studying theater um, and film production, I was like, oh, I used to like uh, making like short films with my friends, like, but these guys, these kids are actually really studying it as a concentration, as a major. And so it was kind of a shift into, into that. Oh, yeah, I guess, I guess like a good teacher is really like, like that, like just like is good at teaching, like good at inspiring students, I guess really could make you interested in something maybe you're not. So that's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it only takes like one fantastic teacher or mentor um, to kind of influence you and, or help you believe or think that you can do something else or be something else, right? Definitely. Um, so now, what are some of the coolest projects you've worked on in your long like career and experience? Yeah, so I'll tell you, I'll kind of tell you a little bit about how I broke, how I started doing animation and, and, and uh, tell the story of where I am right now. So during... Um, I moved, I used to work for Nickelodeon for about 13 years, during which time we, uh, we built all of the Nickelodeon apps. I oversaw the development of Nickelodeon games. Mm -hmm. um, I had the opportunity to work closely with the game producers and some of the studios that would build the games for Nickelodeon. Um, and absolutely loved my time there, but ended up leaving and moving my family out to California because I wanted a bit of a change. Um, and started working, getting jobs here and there, working on commercials um, and TV pilots, all in the live action world. Oh. And it was when the pandemic hit and everybody had to stay home, if you remember, everyone was doing, you guys were probably all doing online school, um, but we had, everyone stayed home. And a lot of the people that worked in the, in the industry told us that it was going to take quite some time before we were all able to get back on set together in such close proximity with other people because of the, the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And we were all encouraged, you know, they said for all of the people that are wanting to break in, um, we encourage you to just think of, uh, think of a two year time, time frame as a period of time in which you won't be able to, to be on set because we have no idea what's, what's gonna happen with this coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, I came to California uh, to tell stories and to work on these productions. And now I'm being told I can't do that. What am I gonna do instead? And it was during that time that I discovered this animation software that you could download onto your computer and start telling your own stories. And so I was like, I've got nothing to do. I mean, I'm literally, we're all at home, right? If you remember. And so I downloaded this software and started to play with it and be like, oh my gosh, like I can download like uh, models of like soldiers. I can, I can download like spaceships and helicopters. I can download, you know, um, uh, abandoned factories, like all the stuff that you that you guys are probably used to seeing in like uh, Rainbow Six or like Call of Duty video games, I could download. And I started playing with them and be like, oh my gosh, I, I, I've learned how to animate that guy. I've learned how to move that camera around. And I started to tell myself, you know what, I want to learn how to do this. Every two weeks, 
I'm going to tell a completed story. If, if the story is one minute long, so be it. If the story is two minutes long, so be it. But I'm going to give myself and kind of pace myself and say, I have 10 days from Monday you know, to Friday to learn this software and to come up with some story I can tell and started to make short stories that way that were, like I said, between one minute and three minutes long, uh, but they were completely edited. And I sometimes I would do my own voice acting or I would yeah. download lines from YouTube, you know, people talking. I made this, uh, this short film about uh, robots that were taking over the world. Oh. And I, um, I was like, what can I, what type of audio can I use? Because I don't, you know, I, I don't, I can't really voice act. And I went on YouTube and I found um, some clips of the movie RoboCop, this old 80s oh, movie, yeah. RoboCop. And uh, the funny thing about this video is it was dubbed in Japanese. So you couldn't really, I mean, I don't know Japanese. You couldn't understand like what they were saying, but they were, the voice acting was so good yeah. and dramatic that I'm like, I don't know what they're saying, but I'm going to download the audio. And I put the audio into this like film that I made and it made it, it look like people were talking. Um, and uh and so those are, this is kind of like the way I was teaching myself and using the assets that were available to me. Um, and uh, I quickly started to post these videos on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, um, and started to meet other animators that were also doing the same thing. And that ultimately led me to my first job because there was a, somebody who was working on a film, a producer who saw my work and he posted one day an ad for help. He said, I'm hiring freelance, animators if anybody can help and i reached out to him and said hey you know we, we've talked several times on on facebook um i'd be happy to help you because your your work looks great um and i'd love to work on a real project and he was like oh my gosh like i love your work too like absolutely and he, he started to give me a couple scenes to, to work on um and from there it really took off he he continued to rehire me for bigger projects um and so uh that's kind of how i got my first gig and i'm still working doing work for that studio now Oh, that's great. Yeah, honestly, I really like, I guess, like learned all the way, like just doing one, yeah. one or two minute short films and then really getting to where you're at, like really building that consistency and that like, I guess, like scale. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, it just takes a, it takes a little of grit to just keep going when you get stuck. But I think it's we're really lucky that we live in a time where on YouTube there's there is somebody posting video about something all the time. Like if you, if you need to know how to fix a dishwasher, like you can find out tips on YouTube. Right. And so same with this community of animators, if I got stuck with something, there was a whole community on Facebook and YouTube willing to help. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been a joy to kind of learn from other people, trade tricks, show off your work and encourage other people. And so to answer your, your initial question, what are some of the coolest projects that I've worked on? Um, I'd say that like the very interesting transition for me as a working animator is that I went from nonstop posting of my own self-produced stories to then very quickly being recruited. And they're like, hey, I got this project, but uh, you have to sign uh, what's called a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, yeah. because we yeah, you're not allowed to talk about this project publicly until it gets released because we don't want spoilers and we don't want people to know what you're working on. And mm. so, um, a lot of working people who are working in the industry, like whether it's animation or video games, they get hit with this phase where they go from showing off their stuff nonstop and talking about their own stuff to this like, it's almost this quiet period of like, you yeah. know, it can be up to two years where you can't even talk about what you're working on. And you're like, trust me, it's really cool, but like, and I, and I got a job and I'm so happy now, but I, you know, you're gonna have to wait for like two years before you see any of my work. Um, 
So with that said, there's there's some um, big video games and um, animated features that I'm working on now that I'll be working on for the next couple of years that um, I can't talk about, which is great. And it's also like, oh, I wish I could share it. Um, but the one that I can talk about is an animated film um, uh, that I worked on with Hazimation, um called Max Beyond and really excited that that film did really well at film festivals. Um, and uh, I've been told that there'll be some good news in the, in the spring for, for that film. Um, so that'd be, you know, really exciting to have something out there and to be able to talk about, you know, more publicly about my role. Mm -hmm. Wow. That sounds great. I'll say, I would love to watch your films that you're still working on when they come out. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'll, I'll send you a couple links to the stuff that I've already done. And then, uh, you know, as, as new stuff comes out, um, I'll let you know about it. That sounds great. Also, I guess well, there, this well, was, there is this one project I could talk about. That's pretty fun. Oh. So I had this idea, I think I was coming off some, oh, some work and I had this idea of like, um, samurais from the olden days fighting mm -hmm. the grim reaper. Oh. And the idea that, you know, that that's the type of genre stuff that I think is really cool. But the idea kind of like stuck with me because I'm like, you know, in, in like European cultures, like the Grim Reaper is the angel of death, right? Who like comes to claim you when, when, you, when you, you claim your soul after you've died. And in Japanese culture, um, a samurai that uh, refuses to, you know, honor himself with death is called a ronin. Mm. And I was like, oh, that would be so cool if I combined like Eastern culture and Western culture and have samurai, a bunch of samurai fight an angel of death, a giant grim reaper. Mm. Um, so I spent a week animating this fight scene where you've got like three or four samurai all like using swords and weapons against a, a grim reaper who's like slaughtering everybody. Mm. Um, and I put that out on, on, uh, on Instagram, I think, and it kind of went viral. Wow. And uh, I had a Polish video game company reach out to me and they're like, wow, like we saw that short that you like, that, uh, that you made, you know, can you tell us more about it? Like, what's the story? Like, is there more to this like two minute story like that you had envisioned? And I was like, oh yeah, like I just, you know, I whipped this whole thing up and had told, told them this story of a, of a Ronin who, who uh, decides to defend a village against the Grim Reaper and all of these like bad guys. And that was my little success story because they said, hey, we really like this idea a lot. Can we, what's called license your story and turn it into a video game? Mm -hmm. um, and so through talking with them, you know, you negotiate, you do all the grown up crazy business contract stuff, but um, uh, I've still licensed the idea to them and they're trying to build a game out of that idea. So just to me, the idea of like controlling the samurai and fighting the Grim Reaper is just so cool. So that's one of my little success stories and huge wins, you know, use, use my imagination and, you know, made some money. Ah, that's crazy. Honestly, that you got picked up by like a game company. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so I guess when you're talking about your work at Hazimation, I was wondering, like, what has it been like to use Unreal Engine? Because I saw that like, you were doing some work using it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those who may not be aware, Unreal Engine is the name of um, a software authoring tool that was originally designed to uh, create and design video games. And mm -hmm. anyone who's played, you know, video games in the last, like, decade, you know that the, these video games work so quickly in showing you graphics and new worlds and being able to maneuver in, in all of them uh, throughout the world and everything, that this software, Unreal Engine, became um, so good at what it does with graphics that it suddenly became, there. I think there, 
you know, organically emerged a group of people that said, hey, like, forget about video games. Like, I can actually tell uh, stories, like animated stories with this software, um, which makes perfect sense, right? Like, if, 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 you, if people who've played video games before are aware of what's called cutscenes, in between levels, there'll be this, like, short cinematic scene where your character or a bunch of characters actually talk to each other and it looks like a movie. And so, um, you know, it's really using this type of gaming software to create just cinematic cutscenes to tell stories. And so um, when I first start, started to use Unreal, I, I had classically had problems learning um, animation software because I just found them so complicated. Mm -hmm. There are programs like Maya and Blender and 3D Studio Max that I simply, you know, I couldn't even get over the, the, the basics of navigating the actual software, let alone using it to make stuff. I was like, how do you move around in this in the software? And then here comes Unreal Engine, and it's the same exact keyboard controls as the video games I used to play as a kid. I was like, wait a second, these controls are just like, you know, Quake 3 that I used to play when I was a kid. Like, it, it's using like, you know, the, the ASDW keys and, and mouse to move around the world. And I'm like, oh, I got the hang of this. And so it's a very easy learning curve for anybody who's used to playing PC games. Mm -hmm. um, that's one. The second part is that the community is so large with knowledgeable people that are so busy posting videos on YouTube of like, hey, today I'm going to teach you how to use the cinematic camera or like I'm going to teach you how to animate, you know, this robot or or take animation from this soldier and add it, make this clown animate the same way. Like, so there's a very vibrant community of people teaching each other. Hmm. And the, the third component component is that Unreal Engine has a lot of assets. Many of them are free if you're learning. So every month, you, you know, it's, it's very common for the first week of the month, everybody logs into the Unreal store and they'll see like free for the month, like this medieval castle or, you know, this uh, army tank or this robot. And you can download all of it free all to get started on Unreal and start telling your own stories. And so what that really adds up to is, is a piece of software that is very easy to learn, that has a large user base that teach each other and assets that you can kind of get started with very quickly. Um, so, you know, when I say anybody could use it, it's really anybody with a P with a PC can uh, can get started quite quickly without having to spend too much money. Yeah, which is which is important for a lot of people. And so, Unreal has been fantastic for that. And so, working for Hasimation is the studio, one of the studios that I work with. Um, they're based in the UK, and I'm based in LA. And so, uh, we use programs like Discord and email and Slack to communicate with each other. Um, I'll work on my files and upload them at the end of the day. And then as the sun rises in the UK, they wake up and are able to download my work and add to it or give me feedback. And then at the end of their day, they upload it to the server for me to download. So like these stories and these projects we work on together, uh, they get worked on 24 hours a day. So it's kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what you said about Unreal, it sounds really interesting. Like it's almost like a video game because it was like made for video games. So it's like, like inherently like simpler yeah absolutely you know and then i think that the other part that is very interesting to like bigger companies and studios is that if you if if i were to tell a very cool story in unreal a game studio could come along and say hey that story was really excellent and we think it could be it could make a really good video game uh all the assets are there and they're game ready quote unquote you know so you use unreal engine to say to instead of tell the linear story to make the game and so, you know, if you see like a, you know, a main character like my samurai, and you think that that character would be really cool to play, it's not um, a ton of additional work to 
quote unquote become that samurai and control him and have him run around the level and, and fight guys you know yeah pretty cool honestly so yeah super cool what advice would you give to people who are interested in producing their own films like whether they be like animation or live action you know i'd say uh start small start small i mean we all like i'm i'm the perfect example of somebody who's like uh i love genre stuff so i love explosions and helicopters and and you know aliens and in the live action world that can be just prohibitively expensive it's just like it's like son keep dreaming like you know someday you'll have a, a car crash in your scene but it's not you know it's not something that you can just fund on, on your own or do on the weekend whereas in animation you can dream big uh, in terms of scope like that but my recommendation to someone starting out starting out is you know st start start small in terms of like the how long your project might be you know you could tell a really cool story in five minutes and three minutes and and so if your goal is to someday be able to tell like a, a 90 minute uh, feature length story, then, you know, work backwards from 90 minutes to 60 minutes to 30 minutes to 15 minutes to five minutes, you know, um, and there's, you know, while on Netflix, you might not be able to to find 15 minute short films to watch, you know, you're only used to watching like half an hour at the, at the shortest on on a platform like Netflix go on to YouTube and search for uh, uh, short films. There's a tons of YouTube channels out there that, that have amazing short films that are three minutes long. And you'd be surprised that in three minutes, you know, a, a beginning, middle and end has been, uh, of a story has been told and you've been brought to like a whole new world um, or, or, or introduced to a whole new concept. And so do some research about what three minute stories or like five minute stories are like and for yourself that's, you know, start small in terms of like um, uh, the duration of your, of your, uh, your project and go from there, you know, pace yourself, give yourself goals. Like, I think when I look back, I think that's probably the best thing I ever did in terms of my learning curve was to say, all right, all right, Mark, every, you, you've got two weeks, every two weeks, crank out some type of story. And, and oftentimes it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a vastly complicated story that I told in, in two minutes, it was, a bunch of camera moves and a narrator talking about, you know, a, a kidnapped kid or something like that. Um, and uh, hone your craft that way, you know, that's what I'd say. Wow, that's some really great advice, honestly, like really starting small, really like, like getting like, I guess like, and um, like practicing, like, and then until you like, you're riding your bike without the training wheels, like really get going. Yeah. I'd say so, I think so. Um. So my last question is, would you say that being Asian American has influenced like, what you've been passionate in, like, and how you wanted to become like a producer and animator now? Yeah. Um, wow. There's like so many, uh, that's like a powerful final question, right? I think it's, it's a fantastic question. Um, there's so many different factors, but I, I'd probably break it down into, into two parts at least like one from a, a personal standpoint, I think one of the best things that I've, that I've been able to retain or that I've learned from like what, what we would describe as Asian American culture, yeah. is uh, a work ethic and an attitude that while talent has its own level of merits work ethic is often you know the the, uh, the overlooked uh component to success you, mm -hmm. you something might not come natural to you or quickly to you but if you've got the work ethic to say all right like i'm gonna i'm gonna spend the cycles to make sure i figure this out and I believe I can figure it out. And I, I believe that my hard work 
will push me to the point where I can figure something out. You know, I, I feel like personally, my experience as an Asian American growing up is th that is something that I bended from that, that work ethic. And, and, you know, that's not to say that other cultures don't have that, but I, Asian America sure does. Um, and so I'd say work ethic on, on my, on, on a personal level from a creative standpoint and, and then and creativity is a large component of what I do and what's involved in my world is that like in these in these like the, the biggest companies like Nickelodeon and, and others that you'd imagine there's always some point in in the in a conference room in a, in a group setting where someone's like someone who's got a good idea someone tell me something new I want a fresh idea what's a fresh standpoint what's a fresh view on this like even in, in even in familiar genre storytelling like what's a fresh look at time travel what's a fresh look at like you know giant monster kaiju movies right and so everyone's looking for like a new unique position right and growing up as in a minority in america you get a bit of that unique different fresh perspective of things right and so you know that could be anywhere from say you're first generation and you're the person who speaks english the best in your family and you've had to go to the doctor with like your parents or grandma and translate for the physician and you know tell your parents what the doctor is saying right like that is a very unique perspective to have that a lot of you know possibly non-minorities have never had that type of experience before or perspective before of, of just mundane life right and so in those in those rooms where somebody's asking for a fresh perspective, you know, we we as Asian Americans, like we grew up with a fresh perspective. We grew up with a brand new, like a unique, non-traditional perspective. And while the term minority may oftentimes be like, oh, you're belittle, belittling it, or it's not the majority, or it's not status quo, in certain creative circles, that's what's actually desired. You want a fresh perspective. And if I can step out of the creative world just for a second, like it's not just it's not just the entertainment world, right? In business, the, the big boss is looking for a fresh perspective. Like, how are we gonna do this? Like, I need some new way of thinking. And so what I would say to especially young Asian Americans out there, you know, we've often it, it is common for us to look at being a minority uh, and being an a quote unquote other as a disadvantage or a negative thing. And I encourage you guys to reframe that because in this world, a new perspective, a fresh perspective, a, you know, uh, a different way of looking at things is often the differentiator between like, you know, success and just status quo, mundane, whatever, boring failure, <laughs> whatever the negative thing is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at it. That's, a, that's honestly, that's a great answer. Like, just like, like having a fresh perspective, especially in a creative area is like, so valuable because like i guess like if the same people thinking about the same stuff they're not going to like really come up with like new ideas new like fresh stuff so that's really great yeah you know and then i think we 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 have to start to own that and, and embrace embrace it really and just say this isn't a shortcoming this is this is my strength you know i'm so hardwired to 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 giving you a new perspective because i've lived it um my whole life and uh yeah you know i i'd, I'd say i'd, I'd leave, put it as those two things the fresh perspective and the work ethic are the two things that I think are some of the best aspects of being Asian American that have brought me far. Definitely. Wow. I think you're really, you're really right about like the whole culture, like Asian Americans can really do like a lot because of our like work ethic as well as like, we're really bringing like fresh new ideas to America. And I think it's really great. Exactly. What you're doing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. Uh, it was so great talking to you, Mr. Chung. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure spending time with you, Brian. It's good, it's good to see you. Uh, I hope my stuff was entertaining, valuable, inspiring, all those good things. Yeah. I, it, was, it really was, honestly. I was very, like, you're, like, I don't think I've ever met, like, maybe, like, an Asian American who had such, like, a great, like, career in film and animation. Honestly, it's, it's incredible. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, sir. You are, you're too kind. All right. Well, this has been the Not the Model Minority Podcast. Be sure to stay tuned in for the next one. Brian Yang, signing off. Be sure to hit the follow button to never miss another episode of Not the Model Minority Podcast. See you next time.